How are you now? How are you right now? Hope you got some time for this one. We got a lot to talk about. Lots to talk about. Hello and welcome to episode 53 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake and... We're here to talk about your Montreal Canadiens, uh, you know, coming off uh, the heels of a pretty ugly loss to the St. Louis Blues, taking on the lowly Anaheim Ducks. So this should be a pretty good, uh, a pretty good way to come out of a, a blowout loss is to play against one of the shittier teams in the league, uh, give you a chance to, to maybe run the score up a little bit, something that the Habs have not really been able to do because we know how terrible they are at playing with leads, but Sure, as God's got sandals, this was going to be a chance for them to build a lead and show that they can actually hold one. And look, uh, there's quite a bit to get to, so we're going to just get right into it. We're going to get to the recap and everything else. But first, Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with live in-game betting contests and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile devices. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team, and remember to use the promo code Believe. That's B L E A V to get your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, the game starts here, and your Montreal Canadiens. Whoa, did they ever start their fucking game against the Anaheim Ducks on a high note, man? Um, they didn't score, but 20 seconds into the game, Mason McTavish takes a holding penalty, and the power play looked fantastic. Of course, they had the top unit out there with Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, Uri Slavkovsky, Alex Newhook, and Mike Matheson. They looked excellent, but they just couldn't get anything past Lucas Dostal, and that ended up being the story of the first period. Uh, they could not score on him. By the end of the period, shots were 12-6. to They were clearly the better team at 5-on-5 five five by a wide margin, and obviously their power play was was ready to put up some points as well, but they just couldn't get anything through them. And, you know, uh, Joshua Hoya rang one off the post. Cole Caulfield had three really good scoring chances, I think, at least two. This was, you know, this easily could have been 3 nothing for them heading into the second period, but it's 0-0, all thanks to the Anaheim goaltender. And I was wondering, you know, is this going to be one of those games where they get absolutely goalied? Uh, is Dostal going to shut them out and they're going to have 40 shots on net? Well, early in the second period, Cole Caulfield gets a golden chance. He gets stopped by Dostal, and I'm I'm starting to worry at this point, right? What's it going to take to score on him? At this point, they've got like 15 shots on goal, and they got nothing for it. But it doesn't take long to find the answer of how it is that they're going to beat him. Tanner Pearson and Jake Evans are going in with sort of a two-on-one. Evans does a give-and-go, passes over to Pearson. Pearson kind of cuts out a little bit wider, throws it back into the middle for Evans. He goes to the backhand and beats Dostal and makes it one nothing. and the floodgates are now open. Later in the frame, we find another way that he can be beat. This time it's Jaden Struble. He just feathers one into the neutral zone. Beautiful uh, exit pass there because he put it to a place where only Uri Slavkovsky was going to be able to chase that thing down, which he does. He comes in and puts a perfect pass to the back door for a streaking Nick Suzuki who's driving into the crease, and he gets an easy one. It's 2 nothing for your Montreal Canadiens. Later on, we're on another Habs power play, and guess who? Scramble in front. Cole Caulfield tries to jam the puck in. Throws it back to Slavkovsky in the face-off circle. He chooses the cross-ice pass, and it's a good one. It's Nick Suzuki, 
and he gets his second of the night. It's 3-0 for the Habs. That's your score heading into the third period, and they just keep on steamrolling through this game. I talked about it before I got into the recap, right? We all know how bad this team is with a lead. When they get a two-goal lead, they stop playing. When they get a three-goal lead, they leave the fucking building. They did not do any of that against the Anaheim Ducks. They kept their foot on the gas pedal and just kept playing the exact same kind of hockey that built that lead for them in the first place. They get another power play in the third as a result of their relentless pressure. And guess who one more time? This time, Nick Suzuki, he's got it at the side of the net. Dostal already made a few saves earlier in the power play, so Suzuki, instead of trying the low percentage jam, because apparently Dostal was doing really well at stealing off the posts, he backhands it out to the other faceoff dot on the other side, and guess who's there? It's Yuri Slavkovsky, and he beats Dostal. Dostal's trying to come across and make the save. Nothing he can really do there, and it's 4 nothing for the Habs. And then later in the period... Awesome play to step up in the neutral zone by Caden Gooley. He gets a steal, heads in on uh, two-on-one with Brendan Gignac, and he passes it off. Gignac puts that one in, gets his first career NHL goal, and it's 5 to nothing for your Montreal Canadiens. That would be your final score, folks. Um, I know that was a bit of a fast recap, but I was kind of excited to get to all of those goals. It was nice to watch this team for once. Not only hold the lead, but continue to build it uh, in the third period. A month ago, I would have been beyond certain that that team was going to come out in the third, one, two, three, blow their three-goal lead, and then have to go and win it in overtime. But none of that. Um, And I know it's the Anaheim Ducks, right? I know it's the Ducks. And you probably uh, expect the Habs to beat them more often than not. But I don't think that, number one, that this is the best possible roster that the Habs could ice. If they had their best roster, this game might have been 10-0. You know, if they had Doc, if they had uh, Brendan Gallagher in there, not, not that Brendan Gallagher is, you know, one of their top players right now, but if they had all of their players healthy right now, um, I, I really think they could have run that score up in a brutal way. Um, really great game from the Habs. And on top of that, like, the, the Ducks tried to drag them into a, a backyard brawl in that game as well. Um, uh, Ross Johnston got into a fight uh, after the 2 nothing goal, I think, with uh, Arbor Jackeye. It was about a draw. And uh, in the third period, they were just they were trying anything and everything to get the Habs off their game and uh, and get under their skin, and it was working. And the Habs were fighting back as well. Caden Gooley, uh, he got into a scrap with uh, Adam Henrique and gave him a couple of really nice uppercuts in that scrap. I give the win to, to Gooley on that one. Johnny Kovacevic got into a fight with Sam Carrick. I give the win to Johnny Kovacevic. Second game in a row where Kovacevic is like, all right, I'm going to be a fucking enforcer randomly. Um, it was fun, man. There's was, there was some fights. The Habs scored a bunch of goals, and for once, again, they did not surrender a lead like they always do. So there was a lot to love about that game, and that brings me to your player of the game. It's a co-player of the game tonight. There's two of them. It's Nick Suzuki and Uri Slavkovsky. Yet again, these guys with just a fantastic performance. I don't know where it stops. I, I really don't. Let's go with Slavkovsky first because um, Arpan Basu traded, tr- tweeted out some crazy shit during the game that I didn't even realize until he said it. Um, Slavkovsky in his last 10 games, or his last 11 games, sorry, has gotten more points than he had in all 39 games that he played last year in 11 games he's set a career high and that's not even to mention the rest of the points that he's gotten this season his development curve is nuts it's it's exponential he's exponentially better at hockey this season than he was last year and you know there's a lot of people that are gonna have to be going back and deleting some tweets about how you know people that were jumping all over him saying he was shit saying that he was a bust 
Slav Bustsky. There was so many people trying to figure out ways to shoehorn the fucking word bust into his name that are going back and frantically trying to delete those tweets before the bad Habs takes account finds it and ends up retweeting you. And then you got to deal with mentions for the next couple of days of people calling you a dumbass because you are because you shouldn't shit all over a prospect before he has the chance to develop. I've been very honest about it. I was on Team Shane Wright uh, when that draft happened, um, and I, I still don't think we know necessarily who the right pick was. But after they made the pick, you know, I, I sat back, I took in the information from people who, who knew more about Slavkovsky than I did, and uh, I was willing to sit and wait and uh, and see what he became. And I'm happy that I did that. I'm happy that I didn't go out and tweet, oh, what a bust, oh, he sucks, whatever, you know, possible thing I can fucking think of to try and shit on a guy who hasn't had a chance to prove himself yet. Now he's getting a chance to prove himself and uh, look at how good he is. It's incredible. I'm sorry that I'm swearing so much in this episode, but I don't like I'm, I'm running out of words to describe uh, how good he's been this season. I mean, he was you could make an argument that he was the best player on the ice in that game. And the only argument against him being the best player on the ice in that game was Nick Suzuki. So great segue to talk about the captain of the Montreal Canadiens. They put up a graphic on uh, on the TSN feed. I had to watch on TSN this time because long story short, I had a beef with Rogers and then they changed my channel package and they took away my RDS and I'm still waiting for them to give it back. Um, anyways, enough about me. TSN had a graphic that they put up. I'm just trying to find it because I I screenshotted it and I tweeted it out because I thought it was absolutely nuts. Um, Now, of course, I can't find it. There it is. So since January 13th, so about a month because we're at February 12th. Well, technically, we're at February 13th at this point uh, as of today. But they counted from January 13th through February 12th, so before tonight's game. And Nick Suzuki had 14 points in those 11 games. So... Ahead of him, I'm going to list all the guys that are ahead of him. Charlie Coyle with 15 points from the Bruins. One of the best teams in the league. Connor McDavid, best player in the world. 15 points over that same span, although for him it was only 10 games. Austin Matthews, top five player in the world. 15 points over those 11 games. Only one more than Suzuki. Leon Dreisaitl, 17 points over 10 games. Pretty good. And then Nathan McKinnon. 18 points over the last 11 games. Those are the only other centers in the NHL that have outscored Nick Suzuki in that span. That's nuts. I've seen nothing but people all season talk about on Twitter how Nick Suzuki can't possibly be a number one center on a contending team. I really think people need to reevaluate what does number one center mean. If your definition of number one center is a guy who puts up 130 points, I got news for you. That's like the elite of the elite. That's the, There's like maybe four or five guys in the world that can do that. And a lot of those guys also haven't won any cups, right? It's, it takes more than just having a 130-point center for you to be a contender. Yeah, it's nice to have. There's no shot in the world that I would ever say, I don't want Connor McDavid on my team because I think he's going to hurt our chances at winning a Stanley Cup. Of course not. But there's more that goes into it than that. So absolutely, Nick Suzuki is capable of being a number one center on a contending team if they surround him with the right talent. We're seeing what's happening so far this season by them putting together that line and then eventually by sticking with it. And it took them going away from it and coming back to it with Yuri Slavkovsky and Cole Caulfield. The production has started to come in absolute bunches. This is insane production right now. So you add in the three points that he got against the Ducks, and we're now talking about 17 points in his last 12 games. 
He is slowly approaching. We're not even slowly. He's quickly approaching the point where we could say that a point-per-game season for him this year is absolutely within reach. It's absolutely within reach. It could be the first point-per-game season of his career, and it could come in a year when the Habs are not even close to ready to contend. So, again, I think people need to park that whole narrative of he can't be a number one center on a contending team. Yet, wait until this team is actually ready to contend, and we'll see if he can be a number one center. I'll tell you what, if if he's a, a number two center, I'd love to see who the guy is that's going to be number one. Can't wait to meet him. Can't wait to meet him because he must be pretty good. The, the hockey that we're seeing from this guy right now, absolutely fantastic. Number one center material. Love it. I'd also love to, to give player of the game to anybody else uh, other than those two because I think I've talked about them too much over the last few episodes, but it is what it is. Uh, it, it, did you watch that game? Those were the two best players on the ice for either team. They've been the two best players on the ice for the Montreal Canadiens probably for the last five, six games. Um, They're just playing absolute lights out, amazing hockey. And, uh, you know, Caden Primo got a shutout in that game and he only had to make 13 saves. Um, I I thought he played well when he he needed to, to do something, but... Um, sometimes those games can actually be challenging for a goaltender, you know? When you see no rubber uh, because there's just no action for you to deal with, uh, you can get a little bit complacent and you can get off your game a bit and get beat by a shot that you might otherwise stop in a regular game. Uh, any goaltender will tell you that. And uh, I thought Caden Primo did a good job, you know, keeping himself, I guess, uh, busy back there. He must have got boring a little bit at times because he had really nothing going on in his zone. But... Um, you know, it's I can't give him player of the game when, when you know, he only made 13 saves and we had that amazing performance up front uh, from those two guys on the top line. And I'll throw in Cole Caulfield there as well. Um, you know, Cole Caulfield, if, if the puck rolled right for him in that game, he would have been player of the game because he would have had five fucking goals. Like, I, I think he had 10, 11 shots on goal. I'm going to actually go double check this. So apologies if you can hear. Uh, my keyboard going, uh, but I, I need to see. I need to see if I'm right about that because I just counted in my head really how many shots he had, and I think I I, I had him at at least ten. I thought I'm, I'm wrong. So he had eight shots on goal. That's still a lot of shots. That's a lot of shots for a guy that only ended up with one assist on the night. Um, really, really, they could it could have absolutely been. Um, you know, a four goal game for him based on some of the shots that he was getting. Those looks are eventually going to start going in. I hope he doesn't get down on himself. You know, we, we talk a lot. If you hear anybody who's uh, statistically oriented when it comes to hockey, they'll talk about regression to the mean, right? And his shooting percentage right now has got to be one of the lowest that he's had. You know what? While we're at it, let's go and take a look at that right now. And we're going to go see. We're going to find out whether or not I'm right about his shooting percentage being the lowest that it's ever been in the NHL. Not that he's really had that long of a career, so we don't have a ton of data on him, but I, I really think that this is the lowest year that he's possibly had. And it is. So he's shooting right now this season at 8.7%. 8.7%. You know what he shot at last year? 16.5%. You know what he shot at in 2021-22? 12.2%. In his first season, ah, that one doesn't really count. That was just 10 games uh, when he came out of college. It was uh, 13.3%. So at some point, regression to the mean is is going to happen. And if you take a look at you know where he shot at so far, his mark is probably somewhere in the 13 to 14 range. Um, so that 8.7 has got a long way to climb to get to where his, his typical pr- prior to this year average was. It's going to happen sooner than later. 
Um, we'll, we'll see how long it takes. Uh, I hope for his sake that it happens sooner uh, so he doesn't have to go through the stress. I'm sure it's stressing him out a little bit to see his line mates just absolutely tearing it up uh, and he's not getting in on it. But he sure had, sure had a smile on his face in that game. Didn't seem to be bothering him. So uh, good news is he's playing really good hockey and he's getting that rubber on the net. As long as he keeps doing that, you know, it's coming. It's coming. Outside of those guys, man, I can't think of anybody who had a bad game. I, I really, there's, there's nobody that I could possibly rag on in that one. Again, for once, they finally actually came together as a team and said, we're not going to relinquish a lead. We're going to build on it. We're going to take this momentum all the way through to the end of the game and get a convincing win. And yeah, it's against a crappy team. Uh, you know, the, the Ducks are a team that they should beat. How much is that worth to you? Right? I asked that question in the EOTP chat. I'm like, they're dominating the Ducks right now. They're clearly way better than the Ducks. What's that worth? And the answer most people gave was either meh or jack shit. And I, I understand both responses. And I understand people who maybe look at that game with a little bit of trepidation and go, eh, you know, I don't really want to give them too much credit because, hey, it's the Ducks. But again, I implore you, number one, look at the Habs roster. Look at who they're playing. They got a bunch of AHLers in the lineup right now. They got rookies like Joshua Hawaii who have barely played in the NHL. They've got Yoel Armia who was on waivers at one point. They were trying to get rid of him. Um, uh, Brandon Gignac gets his first NHL goal. The, the guy's barely ever played in the NHL in his life. Like, this is not an experienced, ready-to-rock Habs roster. They got a bunch of injuries. Um, it's they're, they're one of the top 10 teams in terms of man games lost this season due to injury. And look at what they did. I don't care if it's against the Ducks. I don't care. That was a complete game, you know, full 60 minutes. We rarely see that from them. And uh, I was just happy to see them actually finally put that together. Joshua, what, what more can I, I mean, it's unfortunate that he's going to have to go back to Laval uh, at some point here. I really think like he's proving that he's clearly capable of playing NHL minutes night in, night out. I think he's an NHL player, and he's just stuck at a point where, you know, when they have bodies back, when, when Brendan Gallagher's off his suspension probably, they'll send him back down because uh, he's not waiver eligible, and uh, Laval kind of needs him. But... The, the good news here for Habs fans is like, look, this is a guy that you could pencil him into next year's uh, starting roster and you could do it comfortably knowing that he gives you really good defensive effort and he's and he's getting some offensive opportunities as well. Uh, I want to say he also had how many shots on goal did he have? Did he have maybe five? I'll double check that. Apparently he only got credited with one. That seems I don't believe that. I think he had more than one. I think this I think Google's wrong about this. I'm just on the Google website. I'm not even on NHL.com, so I should probably go over there. But anyways, it doesn't matter. He played a really good game. At one point, uh, like, I, like I said, in the first period, he hit the post. Uh, he just came into the faceoff, off the wing, uh, pulls the puck out of their feet, and then with absolutely no space, unleashes a ridiculous wrister that just clanged off the bar and went flying out the other side at a speed faster than most people could ever hope to shoot the puck. So, um yeah, he's there, and he's absolutely capable of sticking in the NHL next season. And uh, not going to be the slightest bit surprised if he ends up carving himself out a spot on the second or the third line and does so on opening night for the Habs next year. Um, again, unfortunate that he's probably going to have to go back down to Laval, but you know the, the Rocket at least will benefit from having him around a little bit, and uh, uh, we'll see what happens from there. Jake Evans had a great game. Um, honestly, I like Josh Anderson's game in that one. Um, Alex Newhook played well. Tanner Pearson, Jaden Struble, even Yoel Armia played really well. Drew, drew a penalty at one point. Um, probably should have been a penalty shot, but they called it a penalty, and the Habs ended up scoring on that one. Uh, again, I got no problems, no qualms with anybody's game there. Everybody played fantastic. 
Um, I just hope that they've got more games like that. If they, even if they don't win any more five nothing games, right? Like they got the Rangers on Thursday night. I don't think they're winning that one five nothing with this roster. But if they can play hockey like that, right? Doesn't have to be a domination, but just good structured hockey. You know, they they got guys stepping up in the neutral zone and uh, taking away outlet passes and just making it a nightmare to try and gain their zone at all. Never mind operate once they get into the zone. Uh, the D we're activating at the right time. They're like the Caden Gooley activation to create the turnover. Fantastic. Jaden Struble was activating at the absolute right times. This is the kind of hockey that we know they can play. And we also have seen them play this kind of hockey against better teams. So this should be interesting to see if they can carry the momentum of this game into Thursday night against the Rangers, a superior team by almost any analysis. And what can they do, right? Rangers are leading the Metro. What can you do against them? You just took on a team that's, I think, dead last in the, in the West. Oh, no, they're not, they're not behind the Sharks. No, they can't be behind the Sharks. Um, but you're, you're taking on a much better team on Thursday night. So can you bring that same effort level? They lose that game, I don't have a problem with it. No problem. I want to see that same effort level, though. I want to see that same level of give a shit, you know? Great game. I think we're going to cut it off there. Um, that was just fantastic. I'm super hyped about that game. What are we running? Over 21 minutes. Alors, c'est une soirée énorme pour les employés de soutien. Uh, we are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate that very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online. À la prochaine.